My name is Sanal Prakash, and this is The Discourse, a series of episodes where I dive into and tackle the most relevant topics within the school system and the county. In today's episode, we're talking about the LGBTQ plus situation in Loudoun County. In response to the new policy that was passed in February by the Loudoun County School Board that protects all students equally against discrimination, specifically towards gender identities and sexual orientation. I'm joined today by Dr. Michelle Phillips, an English teacher here at Dominion and the sponsor of the school's Gay Straight Alliance. Good morning, Sanal. Good morning. So I want to know how you got involved with the GSA and this whole students' rights movement. With the GSA, they, um, Gray Bradstock approached me at the beginning of this year to ask me um, if I would be interested in sponsoring GSA. Um, so I was very happy to do that. I've been an out member of the LGBTQ community for too long, a long time. I want to say how old I am. Many, many years. Um, I've been, I got married in Massachusetts and Boston when it first became legal to do so. So I was one of those at the, at the head of the line. Um, so I was honored. Um, in terms of the student rights movement, I wouldn't say I'm so much involved in a student rights movement as I'm involved in a human rights movement. Uh, social justice issues are and have been important to me um, since I entered education because I, I think education is where uh, is one of the sort of forefronts of where we fight for social justice um, by, by teaching people about equal rights and in some cases unteaching right or unlearning people of certain biases um, that they have that they have learned along the way. So you know, from the time I entered education, that's been central to my pedagogy um, and to my practice. That is important that education is one of the forefronts, especially in the school system. Nowadays, as students start to kind of express themselves or start to, are trying to figure out where they belong in this community and in the world. Mm -hmm. And I want to know how you think students might find themselves being in situations where they're actually discriminated against, because that's one of the biggest issues. Yeah, so, you know, in talking to, in leading the GSA this year and talking to students and hearing them, I've been really surprised um, at how much discrimination they do face and they do experience um, in this area. I think I've been fortunate in a sense that, you know, I certainly have faced discrimination, but not at the level that they are. And maybe that's because I've spent most of my adult life in the Northeast uh, in the New England area, even though I'm from Georgia, I, I left there basically as soon as I graduated high school because I knew that that was not a good place for me. It wasn't a safe space for me. So I don't know if it's the region um, or if it's something else, if it's, you know, a new moment. Um, I'm not sure, but I have students in GSA who um, have been denied service at Five Guys, for example. I just find it astonishing. You know, they had, I guess, rainbow symbols on or something like that. I mean, they were identifiable, and a person just refused to take their order. I've, n I've never had that happen to me. Um, I've ha I have a GSA student who's been physically um, assaulted in this school and is still having to take classes with this same individual, even though they've, they, you know, they followed the appropriate steps to, to handle that situation. Um, so I just find it very surprising that what, what, what they're experiencing. And of course, then there's the whole bathroom phenomenon. Yeah. And we have trans students. We actually have many trans students. The students I know are, are trans, trans men. And, um, you know, we have like one designated bathroom space for them in the entire building. And I thought, I thought with Brown v. Board of Education, we had ruled against separate but equal. So, but we have people who have to go to separate bathrooms. Um, in, in this school, and in, in a lot of schools, not, not just this school, right? Um, that's Loudoun County. 
issue. So I've, I've been, yeah, discrimination seems to be one of those cyclical things. It, it just doesn't seem to go away. It seems to transform, right, and take new forms. You know, we, we sort of feel like we've resolved it in one area, but then it, it crops back up. And about this new policy that they passed, it was, I think it was just, just a narrow pass, just five to four, I believe. I felt like it wasn't going to pass. Um, I was surprised uh, when it actually did. And it didn't, I mean, what passed was an affirmation. So we haven't actually changed our policies yet, uh, to my knowledge. I mean, you know, when I look at jobs that are posted, for example, the anti-discrimination policy has not been updated. It does not include uh, gender identity or sexual orientation as of yet. So they've passed an affirmation um, that this is their intention as a county, right, is to take steps in that direction. But I think we saw from the heated discussions, even among the board members, that actually taking those steps is going to be um, difficult. So I'm sort of in a wait and see mode. It, I'm, it's heartening that Loudoun County did actually, I think, do what, what is a brave thing, you know, given how many people did speak against. I think it's courageous to say that, that no, we're going to stand for the rights of a public education in an American democracy, which means we're going to affirm diversity and inclusiveness and equality, equal access, equal opportunity, equal protections. We're going to do that. Um, I think they should do that, but I think it's brave that, that they did. I'm sort of in a wait and see in terms of how that's going to play out in practice. It wouldn't have ever occurred to me that you would not want to see diversity in schools, that you wouldn't want that to be a concept, that you wouldn't want kids to at least be like trying to figure out who they are. When I was reading this article, I was so shocked. I was like, how do people justify not wanting people to be equal? Like, there's no reasoning I could find for not wanting people to be equal. Well, there's a lot of reasoning, and, and it was an educational experience for me listening to what people had to say, people who were opposed. Um, I learned a lot. I mean, it was sort of this moment of realization. It was disheartening, but at the same time, it was really valuable because it sort of showed us where we need to do more educating. Um, and we're educators, and so we're all about that, and I think we should jump on that. Um, it's an opportunity. So one of the arguments... Um, one of the things that I heard over and over again was, was fear. I heard parents, and I heard from people on the board, mostly this was a fear of, well, they would say it's not a fear of trans men, but it seemed to be targeted towards um, transgender people, and it wasn't targeted towards trans women. It was really a fear about what happens with young girls in bathrooms or locker rooms if a trans male is allowed to be in that space with them. It seemed to be a very narrow and very specific fear or anxiety, if we want to call it that, right, of this sort of unknown, this uncertainty. And it wasn't that they didn't want equal rights or equal access for those people, but um, they want it to be separate from the rights of their daughters. They don't want it to infringe upon, the, they, and they perceive it as infringing upon, the rights of their daughters to have uh, privacy, even though privacy is, of course, limited in public bathrooms, right, and, and locker rooms. That was what I heard. I heard there was this anxiety, right? And so, you know, in GSA, we immediately, we started doing research, right? Is this anxiety founded, right? Have there been any cases of, we have a lot of cities actually in this country that have passed laws that provide equal access to restrooms for transgender 
individuals. Washington, D.C. is one of those places, right? A lot of cities have already done this. So have there been any reported cases of young women being attacked in, um, in women's bathrooms or locker rooms? And we don't have any. There is no evidence of that. So it's a fear and anxiety without a rational basis. So I think, you know, when we, when we come across those cases, I, I feel like we're looking at an unconscious bias that um, we need to remedy. And one of the ways we remedy that is by providing experiences for people where they actually get to know people who are trans, where they actually get to know people who are gay, lesbian. And I, and I think the reason we don't have the bias against sexual orientation anymore is because almost everybody does know somebody now who is gay. And it's, a, you know, it's, it's sort of, it's dealt with a lot of that anxiety. I think trans people are a smaller minority group they're more marginalized as a result. There's a lot more anxiety because they're an unknown um, to the majority. I think we need to try to, you know, come out as trans people. The more people we can have who are trans, who are openly trans, I think, you know, it's a slow process, but I think we will get there with that just as we have with other with other marginalized groups. Yeah, and I think that fear works the other way too with people who actually want to come out and then they're scared of like how society is going to react and they're scared of what the consequences are, whether they're going to be assaulted, whether they're going to be put in those situations that they don't want to be put in. Absolutely. And that's really scary. I'm not part of that community, but I can't even imagine mm -hmm. how frightening that is to even be scared to express yourself and like by wearing whatever clothes you want, doing your hair however you want, or like just dressing anyway and expressing yourself. That is like a fear. Um, how would you advise students if they're having that kind of fear of being marginalized and being like um, rooted against? Well, it is a real fear, and it's a fear that teachers also have, um, by the way, even in our own school. I mean, we have teachers who are not out. Um, they don't feel, you know, even with this board, you know, Board of Education, because once again, it's not practice yet, they don't feel safe. And it does take courage, right? It takes a lot of courage. What I would say uh, to those students, um, because the fear is not unjustified. What I would say to them is that there are allies, right? There are allies everywhere. Um, we're living in a sort of marvelous time where I actually think the majority of people are allies. And um, find your allies, right? Surround yourself with people who, who support you and who love you uh, for who you are. If your friends are older friends, friends from when you were, you know, a kid growing up, if they're not supportive of who you are now then it's you know and if they're not going to change it's time to start looking for new friends we need we need to surround ourselves with people who who um, affirm uh, who we are and then those allies can help us to take those courageous next steps so that we can live in the world embracing our truth and embracing who we are. When it comes to teenagers especially, media is a huge factor in how they feel about themselves and it influences how they might change their sexual orientation or how they might feel about like their fear of actually being mm -hmm. that minority mm -hmm. in society. And I think that even on Instagram and every time someone posts, there's some things that are very empowering. There's ways mm -hmm. through, there's so many accounts on Instagram that are LGBTQ plus community empowerment posts. Mm -hmm. They inspire people to come out and they have amazing stories of people who have come out and are doing great things. And then there's the other side of media where it's extremely dangerous and it's extremely mm -hmm. harmful. And when kids are so um, stuck in that 
bad side of media. Mm-hmm. That's one of the ways, like especially like through cyberbullying. Mm-hmm. That is how a lot of I have friends who have been cyberbullied for their sexual orientation. I've had friends who have been cyberbullied for even trying to say, speak their mind about something for having like rainbow things on their Instagram posts. People right. get like they get really mad about that. Well, it's a new era. Um, in that regard. And we're certainly seeing some really serious, dangerous consequences of cyberbullying, particularly among uh, young women. Uh, we see this. Uh, and, and with our LGBTQ students as well, we see it can be deadly. So I am of an older generation. I'm probably not the best person to speak uh, to this. But I have a young daughter, and I could speak to people who have children, I think, who are going through this. And I feel like we need to exercise a level of self-discipline when it comes to social media that we're not used to exercising. I think we need to be very careful about what social media platforms we're going to participate in. Um, And if Instagram is a corporation that allows cyberbullying, I would boycott. I mean, and that's, you know, that's a strong statement to make. But this is a consumer society. And if consumers you know, say we're not going to support a platform where this uh, is happening, where this seems to be a routine of, of this uh, social media outlet, we're going to find another outlet that's more positive, that's, that affirms who we are. I believe there are social media platforms out there where you can find support and you can sort of be part of a community that is affirming. So I would seek those out and I would avoid I would avoid those platforms that make you feel less than. The internet allows you to be more anonymous in what you're saying. So you Mm -hmm. can say virtually whatever you want with that. And you can remain anonymous. You you don't have to put your face to a statement. Mm -hmm. And that makes people braver in saying things, whether they're positive or negative. And even if they might not be true, even if they might not actually think that, they have the ability to do that Mm -hmm. and put that out on the internet for everyone And if you can have a thick skin and if you cannot internalize that, if you can just, you know, realize to yourself, oh, you know what, there's crazy out there, right? Can't do much about crazy, then, you know, good for you. But so many young people are impressionable and they internalize. I want to know how you thought about how the school system perceives LGBTQ+, if you want to expand on that. Well, um, I think it's still a question of whether or not we are perceived. Um, I think many of us still feel invisible. I feel personally like there's a concerted effort to maintain the invisibility of LGBTQ issues. I don't think we talk about the bullying that our LGBTQ students uh, face publicly. I don't think we express affirmation or support of those students publicly. And there's a huge difference between pulling aside a trans student and saying, I support you. I want you to feel this is a safe space for you. And saying publicly to the entire school um, or to the entire school system, right? This is a space where hate and homophobia and transphobia and discrimination is not going to be tolerated. We haven't said that. I think it's unfortunate. I think the message that it communicates to me and to other LGBTQ people is that it's not sincere. And at the International Youth Leadership Summit, when they were having their presentation in the auditorium and they brought out all the country flags and there was a pride, there was great, Bradstock was holding the pride flag. And I think the school should have addressed that a little bit more. Um, I heard there were students right in front of me making outwardly making fun of that. Not even the fact like some students were saying like, oh, it doesn't really fit in with like countries. But then some were students were even like they weren't even caring about that they were just making fun of it because they had the opportunity to do so and the school did not address that that was not addressed at all and 
I think that should have been. I agree that things mm-hmm. like that should be addressed by the school when they have bullying presentations saying don't cyber bully this is how you stop cyber bullying or this is how you say walk away they don't address the ways the multiple right. ways that you are bullied right. including the lgbtq which is a much larger community now and it's a much more prevalent and uh, it is one issue. of the most vulnerable groups that we have that situation was disturbing it's hard to it's hard to it's complex like i want to acknowledge that there are complexities there um it may not have been the right time or place to carry a pride flag because it was i think a lot of people viewed that as a parade of nations and so you know did say well you know this is not a nation this is not a country so there's validity i think in that but if what's really behind that is homophobia or is prejudice is what's really behind that is that hey we don't want that put in our faces like we shouldn't have to look at that we don't want to have an affirmation of lgbtq people in front of us regardless of whether it's the parade of nations or if it's a celebration of multiculturalism or if it's a celebration of diversity right like you've got no right to make me participate in that and i shouldn't have to listen to that if that's what's behind it and i'm sort of afraid that that is what's behind it then that is an issue we need to address and i think we do need to find the right time and the right place maybe that was not it but we need to find it we need to have a conversation you're absolutely right that gay slurs um, are allowed in this building on a daily basis in a way that we would not be allowing slurs um, against other races for example or against women for example you know i i hear it on a daily basis in the hallways in the classrooms and it's and it's hard to point to a specific student right which is what the administration wants for us to do they want us to give names often it's you know people in a group who take advantage of the anonymity of the group as you were saying to say things and it's hard to say okay figure out exactly who said what right it's a group dynamic which means that really the entire school community needs to be addressed about it some people who are homophobic and that's why they don't want to see that and they refuse to acknowledge that community there's definitely students who don't want to acknowledge that those people even exist like you're saying you feel invisible there was a situation with two people that i knew a guy liked a girl but she was she was bi she was and she was with a girl at the time she was Mm -hmm. dating a girl and the guy kept going after her because he kept trying to like say oh like i like you you want to go on a date because he refused to acknowledge that she was actually dating a girl he said no that's like not you can't be dating a girl you're a girl i'm a guy that's normal you can't you shouldn't date a girl thankfully she had a very thick skin she was okay with it she brushed it Mm -hmm. off and she continued about her life but that's really hard for people who can't do that Mm -hmm. to have someone tell you to your face you're not allowed to do that that is that's so hurtful and if there's no regulation of that Mm -hmm. or not even regulation by like a certain policy but even just by words or by like leading an example that's going to keep continuing and that's not this is not especially the environment to have that be in especially when kids are young and they're still developing this they're trying to figure out who they are Mm -hmm. just to have that like bashing down on them i completely agree and i when i spoke in front of the school board one of the things that i said i talked about microaggressions i didn't use the word microaggression but i talked about sort of the various little or they seem little 
aggressions that that happen towards you they add up they have a cumulative effect and it's death by a thousand cuts so you know hearing people you know say oh that's so gay right which we hear all the time or I heard a student in my class um, last week boy I think was just teasing her saying oh you know you're gay and she felt defensive I think right because that was being used against her in a negative way and she immediately said no I'm not that's disgusting um, and that was her way of protecting herself um, because of the perception, right? And not wanting, uh, you know, so wanting our peers to accept us. When you hear things like that going on around you, right? Even if they're not directed at you as your friend was, you know, that was very direct. It just builds up. It just builds up and it wears down um, your defenses. And I think, you know, for me, I have choices, right? I mean, I'd, at a certain point, if I felt like all of this got to be too much in Loudoun County and it's building up, I could move, I could leave, I could go someplace else. I would not be having these experiences if I lived in Connecticut or Massachusetts right now. Absolutely not. For our students who are here, they don't have that option. And I think we need to take that very seriously. We have an obligation to provide them with a safe environment and a supportive environment because they are in our care. And I think we're responsible for how they affect the real world once they leave the school system. When they leave the school system thinking that it's okay to talk about things like that, use um, slurs, whether it's racial or gender or towards the LGBT community, um, we're teaching them it's okay. While we're not directly saying, like we're not endorsing it, by not saying that it's wrong, we're saying that that's okay. Like, don't say it to the public too loud or, like, just you can say mm-hmm. it quietly. It's fine. But that's not the way to think about it. That's not the way they should be going about their lives. Yeah. That's cultural. That's how we build discriminatory cultures. So um, long term, it's a nightmare scenario if we don't address it when, our, when we have young people who we could educate to be better citizens, better global citizens. Yeah, if, I, I completely agree with you. If we're just standing by and letting it happen then we're endorsing and it starts with the school system so i think that's why that policy was so important just to even like at least affirm or acknowledge that we are going to make that change right um was an important first step towards making this a better environment because it starts in the school it starts when kids are young it starts in middle schools and high schools when right. kids are starting to realize that they have this option of expressing themselves differently if right. they want to and we need to start changing that the environment right And here's the next thing that's going to happen, Sanal. So this will be something to be looking out for. I think the direction we're going to go if we move towards a conversation about LGBTQ bullying and rights, I think we're going to move to having opt-out forms for students who don't want to participate or whose parents don't want them to participate or have to participate in those conversations. And that's troubling to me. Um, And it sort of goes to your point about if we're not educating people about this, they're going to go into the world, right, and perpetuate this discrimination and this prejudice. Um, We're going to allow that to happen. I think that's going to be the next step. And I have a problem with sort of allowing people to opt out of those conversations because I don't think we would allow people to opt out of a conversation about racism. When we have African American History Month clubhouses, which we're not going to have clubhouse anymore, right? But when we had clubhouse, right, and we saw videos in the announcements celebrating African American History Month or Hispanic Heritage Month, we didn't send home ahead of time opt-out forms for people who were offended by people of other races or other, you know, nationalities or backgrounds. But I think you're going to see that we're going to do that with LGBTQ issues. It's it's going to be treated like a separate category. Like this is not really discrimination. This is really about personal preference or something like that. And that's I think going to be the next step 
is going to be an argument about should we be treating LGBTQ people with the same status that we treat people of other races and national origins. Yeah, and if you allow someone to not be part of that conversation, that's where the problem is when people aren't talking about it. And a lot of people have that fear because they've never talked about it. People who have that fear either don't know some one of their close friends as part of the community or doesn't know anybody who has done anything like great, like great accomplishments. They think, oh, I've seen these people. They've done bad things. That stains yeah. their whole view of all the community. And they don't actually know about the community. They're not educated enough to not be able to take right. part in that conversation. They're exactly the people that we want in the conversations. Yeah, and that's who you're supposed to be educating with the conversation. So there shouldn't be that option oh i just don't want to talk about it that that's not i don't think that should be an option ever in life to not talk about something that's a pressing issue right everyone's talking about um the global warming we're harming the environment and they're i think within the last eight months especially this argument is being heightened this need for action in the global warming issue and the climate change why isn't this an issue why isn't this an issue that we have to talk about in the lgbt community and how they're treated everyone should acknowledge it even if you don't like it because there's always going to be things where you don't like it and you don't want to talk about it because it's not a positive thing but in order to make it a positive thing you have to address it i i agree with that and i i think you're you'll have people who make arguments uh, based on religion they'll say this is my religious freedom because we have you know first amendment rights obviously to freedom of religious expression you know when we start hearing those arguments i would just want to caution people that people who are lgbtq if they come from all religious backgrounds, all religious faiths. It's not a real it's not a religious issue. You could try to make it a religious issue in the same way that slavery hundreds of years ago was made to be a religious issue. But when we're talking about issues of discrimination, the law needs to trump and the the guiding principles of a public education, which is to be non-discriminatory and provide equal access, those need to trump biases or prejudices, even if they're given a religious foothold. All reli- People of all religious faiths are LGBTQ. People of all political persuasions are LGBTQ. So I would just want to caution people people from from trying to frame it as a religious issue or a political issue people who are lgbtq are born that way and i think we should put it in the same category as race uh, and in the same category as national origin um, and sex people should try at least get involved especially mm-hmm. if you stand for that issue and if right. you believe in that you might think that that's just um, an issue for that community to deal with but it's not it's for everyone to deal with you have to also be again like that ally that's standing up for them right um, and i think as our allies realize that we are more under threat than they than they were aware of i think they will rally with us i believe that right well thank you so much for coming and sitting down with me thank you Um, sanal my name is sanal this has been the discourse and i'll see you guys next time